As the second bale of dice dropped to the floor, but Marbeck didn't look. Instead, he snatched the first pair and thrust the fellow away. The dice caster fell back, but as he did so, he reached for his poniard. You horse and knave! That, however, was all he said. With a movement so fast that those watching barely saw it, Marbeck banged the side of his closed fist against the other man's mouth. The fellow reeled and spluttered, still fumbling at his belt. But it was over. In a moment his dagger was taken and thrown aside, and he found himself shoved down onto his stool from where he stared stupidly up at his assailant. Now that looks interesting. Marbeck was holding one of the dice up to a nearby lantern, peering at it. Watched by what was now a small audience, he reached into a pocket and produced, of all things, a tailor's bodkin. Leaning over the table, he proceeded to pierce the die at one corner, working the point in. Then he shook it, and a groan went up from those nearby as several shiny droplets fell onto the tabletop. As I thought, Quicksilver. He faced the crossbiter, who was glaring at him, blood about his mouth. Stopped dice, he said. Nice workmanship. Who made them? Jacks in Billingsgate? The other made no answer. Someone sniggered, which prompted others. The tension was broken. Well, I have another choice for you, Master Cogger, Marbeck went on. Either return the shillings you took off me with your bale of Fulhams and leave, or I pass you over to the constable of this parish. I hear he dislikes biters. He'll likely serve you with a flogging for the pleasure of it. He dropped the die into his left hand and pocketed it, along with his bodkin. There was a pause, but the gamester knew when he had lost. With a savage gesture, he drew coins from his doublet and slammed them down. Best take that with you. Picking up the man's dagger, Marbeck stuck it in the table, whereupon someone appeared at his side. "'I'll decide who stays and who goes, sir, if you please.' The speaker was the Dolphin's landlord, a bulky man with whom few cared to argue. Marbeck turned to him. "'As you wish, Master Hibbert.' Hibbert glowered at the dice-cogger, then jerked his thumb in the direction of the doorway. But the man was already up. He drew his hand across his mouth, looked at the blood— then yanked his blade from the table and lurched away. The landlord watched him go out before facing Marbeck. "'This is no thieves' den, Master Sands,' he said. "'I know it.' Only now did Marbeck relax, and the effect was striking, as if a mask had been pulled off. "'Indeed, it used to be more of a player's tavern, did it not?' he added. "'Before the ungrateful fellows went south of the river and built themselves a new theatre? "'To my mind, Shoreditch has never been the same since.' Hibbert gave a shrug. "'I'll send the drawer over,' he said. "'Take a cup of sack for your trouble.' There was no trouble. Marbeck scooped his shillings off the table. "'But it grows late. I'll walk up to my chamber. You may send me a mug there.' "'I will,' the landlord said. "'Is there all else you need?' His eyes moved towards a figure across the room, who was looking at Marbeck. She wore a low taffeta gown, the breasts busked up so high they were almost exposed. Another time, perhaps. With a nod, Marbeck walked to the stairs. His chamber was at the rear of the inn, facing north towards the Spitalfield. Once inside, he took off his shoes and sat by the window, leaving the door ajar. Outside, it was pitch dark, but he lit no candle. Instead, he waited for the drawer to come up, then took the mug of watered sack from him and closed the door. After taking a drink, he threw himself down on the bed and gazed up at the low ceiling. "'Well, Master Secretary,' he murmured, placing his hands behind his head. 
Haven't you let me kick my heels long enough? As if in answer, there was laughter from downstairs. Marbeck listened for a while, then, feeling a yawn coming on, he closed his eyes. And an image rose up. Of Sir Robert Cecil, the Queen's Secretary of State, seated behind a desk in his customary black suit and starched ruff. The little hunchback needed cushions to raise him, so as not to appear too short. Bravado's a poor cloak, Marbeck, he was saying, wearing a quizzical look that might have conveyed a number of things. Just then it conveyed displeasure. If it were anyone else, I might have told you to quit my service long ago, Master Secretary had continued, but I need you, despite your impetuousness. Tense as he was, Marbeck had kept silent. Both men knew the trip to Flanders had been a failure, and they both knew it had been no fault of his. What irritated Cecil was the loss of a good agent.